passage is Leviticus 13, 47 through 49. Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is woolen, a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or the woof, of linen or wool, whether in leather or in anything made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or in the woof or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague has spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, in the leather or in anything made of leather, the plague is an active leprosy. It is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment in which is the plague, whether warp or woof, in wool or in linen, or anything of leather, for it is an active leprosy. The garment shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague, and he shall isolate it another seven days. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed, and indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, though the plague has not spread, it is unclean, and you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away, whether the damage is outside or inside. If the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the woof, or out of the leather. But if it appears again in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in anything made of leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn with fire that in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment, either warp or woof, or anything or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed for a second time and shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or woof, or in anything made of leather to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here to speak of you, to sing of your mercies, to pray before you, uh, to commune together before you. Pray as Mr. Horn preaches, you give him wisdom to proclaim your truth, to proclaim what you have for us here. We thank you that in your scriptures you have such deep thought and and such deep things to communicate to us that we could study these passages on leprosy for many years and still miss some of the greatness you have for us but we pray through your mercy that you give give us give mr horn strength to to find what you'd have for us so that we can learn from it that we can grow we can instruct one another that as a church we can um, grow closer to you have a better understanding of how to deal with sin how to see sin in others, how to see sin in ourselves, and how to correctly deal with it. pray you'll be merciful to us today as we go through this passage. In Christ's name, amen.
So we've spent a number of weeks talking about leprosy in the skin. But God has other leprosies that we're to be concerned about. And the next kind of leprosy that he talks to Moses and to Aaron about was leprosy in garments. And so to understand what leprosy in garments symbolize, I think it's worth reviewing what God says about garments. The very first garments that we see are the ones that Adam provides in Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. From the beginning, the picture of, of clothing is that it's there to cover shame. It's to cover the shame that you have. And they knew that they now know good and evil. And so they attempt to cover themselves. They sew fig leaves together. And this is what sinners do. They do some good work so that they can feel like they're right with God, that they're okay, that their shame is covered. That's what it looks like to deceive yourself in your own unrighteousness is that you try to do some things that look good so that people go, oh, he's okay. He's not worthy of damnation. He's not worthy of being sent to hell. This is what virtually every unbeliever does. Almost none of them walk openly in their shame. They sew some kind of fig leaves together, some kind of covering that they think will be sufficient, some kind of covering that says, because of this, I will escape the judgment of God. But of course, when God's there, they still hide. Because they know it's insufficient. It will not cover them. It will not cover their shame. But then the next covering, the next clothing that you see is the one that God provides in Genesis 3.21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. This was a sufficient garment to be in the presence of God. This is what they were sent out into the world wearing. This is the picture at the end of Revelation where it says that, that the bride is clothed in the righteous acts of the saints. This is the clothing that God gives us. Garments are a picture of deeds. The ones that are successful in covering up shame, it's because you didn't make the garment yourself. You didn't do it to cover your own shame. It's that God covered you. God gave you good deeds to walk in. God gave you works to do. God saved you to good works so that our shame could truly be covered. Not by our works, not by somehow us covering ourselves, but because God covered us. God clothes us in good works. God is very explicit that he is the one who clothes us in garments of righteousness. Isaiah 61, 8 through 11. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth. And I will make them and ever make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, 
For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is what God does. God takes a people. This is talking about when Christ comes, he will establish a people and he will establish those people and he will clothe them in salvation. He will clothe them in righteousness so that all the nations look at them and the nations understand that God is holy and righteous and just and good because he will see the righteous acts of the saints. He will see the righteousness with which saints are clothed by God and that will cause the nations to see the holiness of God. That's the promise of the new covenant. The promise of the new covenant is that he will clothe us with a robe of righteousness. That is what the garments of salvation are, that he clothes us with the garments, the robe of righteousness. God saves us to do the good works that he chose beforehand for us to walk in. As it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just like God clothed Adam, God clothes his bride in works of righteousness. God saves us so that we do good works. He is the one that provides the good works. He's the one that prepares the good works. He's the one that walks in the good, that causes us to walk in the good works so that we cannot say that we are saved by our works. We are saved by faith, but God clothes us with works. And he infallibly clothes us with works. That's why James could say in James 2, 17 through 18, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. God infallibly gives works to those who are right with him, to those who have been saved. Because this is what it looks like to clothe. This is what it looks like to clo- when God clothes somebody. It's about giving them works to do. It's about causing them to walk in those works. So it's based on the promise of God that, it's, that the way we can see faith is by works because God is doing this to cause the nations to see, to cause the nations to see the righteousness of God. That's why he says and explicitly in Romans 2, you'll be judged by your deeds. That's why he says explicitly in Matthew 25 that those who are right with God, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was naked and you took me in. The reason he can judge us by our works is because he's the one who clothes us in those works. 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The reason that we practice righteousness is because that's how God clothes his children. So when we think of clothes as a picture of what God gives us to cover our shame, When we think of leprosy as a picture of sin, the leprosy in the garments then becomes the pictures of what looks like good works, what looks like works that are right, that are are pleasing to God, that are done for the glory of God, that are done about having a a testimony of eternal life. 
What should be done when we see leprosy break out in those works, when we see those works that look good, and then all of a sudden we see sin breaking out? How should we treat that? How should we deal with that situation? And so as we consider this passage, (coughs) that's what I think this passage is about. Where they look like good works, but they have sin breaking out in them, so they're not. I think we can see examples of this kind of leprosy in the Sermon on the Mount, such as on prayer in Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Prayer is a good work. Public prayer is not inherently wrong. I just prayed in public. After this sermon, we're going to have a time where people can pray in public. It is not inherently sinful. It can be a good work to pray in public. There are many people who pray in public. Solomon, when he dedicates the temple, prays in public in a very significant prayer. Public prayer is not inherently wrong. It looks like a good work. It looks like a good garment until you find out that What they're really interested in is how many people will hear them. And then you see that garment is really a leprous garment. It looks like good works, but it's not. It's leprosy. It's really death. It's really worth being burned up. It's really worth being destroyed. That prayer wants to be seen by men. What is a good work now becomes an evil work. And that's what we're supposed to look for. That's what we're supposed to see. That's what we're supposed to to understand when we see this, that we need to deal with it. We need to treat it. We don't just go, but they're praying. But they're preaching. But they're doing, because we do this all the time with all kinds of people, where we let their good works trump the leprosy that we see. And that is not how God says to deal with leprosy in garments. The whole world, the whole garment needs to be burned in the fire because the whole work's bad, even though it's just one spot that you see that's leprous. If the heart is wrong, all certain all kinds of leprosy will appear, and then the whole garment is to be rejected. So verses 47 through 52. Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or woof of linen or wool, whether in leather, leather or anything, excuse me, anything made of leather, if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or the woof or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which is the plague, which has the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague has spread in the garment, either in the warp or the woof, in the leather or anything made of leather, the plague is an act of leprosy. It is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment in which is the plague, whether warp or woof, in wool or in linen, or anything of leather, for it is an act of leprosy. The garment shall be burned in the fire. So he starts by saying also, in in addition to seeing leprosy in men, because when we talked about all the leprosy and the bald head and the leprosy on the skin and the different, the white hair and it being deeper than the skin, all those things, there can be leprosy where you see 
They're walking in the flesh where it's obvious, like Paul says in Galatians 2, or in Galatians 3, that the works of the flesh are evident. That's, that's the picture of the other leprosy. You see they're in the flesh. You see them walking in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. But this leprosy is more in the works rather than simply walking in the flesh. For instance, Peter, when he's in Galatia, in Galatians 2, 11 through 13. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat in the, with the Gentiles. When they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So you can't look at Peter in this situation and say, Peter's walking in the flesh. He's, he's fellowshipping with saints. He's, he's, he's doing hospitality. He's, he's sharing in hospitality. The work that he's doing is not inherently sinful. The leprosy is that he's refusing to do it with the Gentiles, that he's just doing it with the Jews. So I think this is more the picture where you see a leprosy in the works as opposed to looking at the person going, that person's clearly a leper. You're looking at their works and going, yeah, their works aren't wrong, but it has a problem in it. It has a spot on it. Leprosy was breaking out in Peter's work, and so Paul confronts him to his face. So if a garment has a leprous plague in it, the picture of if someone sees something that someone is doing when they're acting and they have, as far as you can tell, they have every intention of serving the Lord. And they act like they're doing good works. They're doing it in obedience to the commandments of God. But there's something off in the works. There's something that's not right there. There's something that can be seen that, that this is a problem or a potential problem then there's a duty to examine it. There's a duty to deal with it. Too often in ministry, I remember we did the, the podcast on Ravi Zacharias, and there were lots of people who saw lots of problems with Ravi Zacharias, but nobody went, wait a second, this has to be examined by a priest. This has to be examined by somebody else. We need to make sure this isn't real. And so they just covered it up. And we should just recognize that's the temptation. That's the temptation for everybody. And that's the temptation we have is just to go, but the rest of the work is so good. But that's because we don't think about sin the way God thinks about sin. We don't think about how, how Adam eating a piece of fruit could condemn the whole world. When you think about how Adam eating a piece of fruit could condemn the whole world, all of a sudden you go, well, couldn't. If there's sin in that ministry, even though they're doing a lot of good works, if you see sin in that ministry, shouldn't the ministry to be destroyed? That's a lot more in line with how God operates in the world. But we tend to diminish sin, and we tend to say sin isn't that significant. It isn't that important. But God's saying, if you see something that looks well off in the works, you're supposed to actually examine it. You're supposed to have people examine it that know and that understand what righteousness is. So then it says whether a woolen garment. And so there's debates about what this means. Does that mean it should apply to cotton garments? You know, that was pretty much an unknown material in Israel until at least like a thousand years after this. But the point about this isn't the garment itself. I don't think it's about whether it's wool or whether it's linen. 
I think the point of it is what this represents. Because whether they should have done this if it was in cotton, you know, who knows. There's a lot of debates. That let the Jews debate about that. Instead, let us think about what these things represent. Because this is about ceremonial law. We know they're taking it to a Levitical priest. We know it's ceremonial law. We know that this is for us to understand things after Christ came, after God, Christ established the reformation of these things. So we're supposed to look at these things and say, what does it mean to us? So what does it mean to us that it's a wool garment and a linen garment? And it says that a bunch of times in this passage, that's one thing about this passage, is the same thing's repeated over and over and over again, which means we should take it and we should treat it as important. So I think Ezekiel gives the answer to why wool and linen. In Ezekiel 44, 17 through 18, it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. So linen was the only thing that could be worn in the presence of God. It was the only thing that could be worn when they were ministering and they were worshiping God. And so, but wool, because of the nature of wool and the nature of linen, wool is probably what they wore when they did their everyday work. When they were working by the sweat of their brow, when they were, when they were dealing with the mundane things of the world. And so I think that's the picture here. I think the picture of the woolen garment is not works that are sinful works, but they're works that you have to go and make a living. Well, if in making the living you see that there's an area of sin, that needs to be dealt with. You can't just go, oh, but they're making a living. They're in the world. It doesn't matter that they sin. No, the woolen garments need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with if you see sin in your your work life, you have to deal with that sin. And maybe that means you burn down the job. Maybe that means you quit your job and go find something else. Because... That's the reality. That's how serious God is saying that we should take sin. So things that are our work in the world, the things that we have to do to survive, the things that we have to do just on a day-to-day basis. We're supposed to do all things for the glory of God. And so if there's sin in any of those things, we should treat this like this garment that you see leprosy in it. <coughs> I think that's the, the picture of the woolen garment. In the linen garment, the linen garment is the clean garment. That's the garment that you can walk into the, the tabernacle with, that you can go into the temple with. So I think it's worn when it's dealing with the worship of God. So to give another example of this case of a false accusation of leprosy <coughs> that I think would be a picture of leprosy in a linen garment, is when the Pharisees accuse Jesus when he heals the withered hand on the Sabbath day. They accuse him of of committing sin in relationship to the worship of God. So that's them accusing him of having leprosy in a linen garment. An example in a woolen garment would be they're out in the field and they're they're picking grain. And they say they're eating without washing their hands. Well, that's an everyday thing. And that, again, is a false accusation, but they're basically accusing them of having leprosy in just their everyday life and what they're doing in, as they walk in the field and eat the grain. So you can have false accusations, but we should also recognize that, that you can have true accusations 
And we should be considering those things, considering those things in our lives that we do as we go through our life and those things that we do as when we're intentionally trying to serve God and saying, is there sin there? Do we need to, is there sin there that we can see that we need to deal with? And not just for ourselves, but for others as well. So then it says in the warp, whether it is in the warp. So to understand what the warp of fabric is, you need to understand how weaving works. In weaving, there's, there's threads that are fixed in position that are switched back and forth. And then there's the shuttle that's thrown across. And that's how you weave to get your fabric. And so the warp is those threads that are fixed in place. And that's what the word comes from. The Hebrew word that's translated warp here comes from being fixed. And so it's the, so you have the edge of the garment. You can make something as long as you want, as long as you have warp threads that are long enough, as long as you have a womb that's big enough. But the, there is an edge, and that edge is where you're throwing your, your shuttle back and forth. And there's always an edge there because it moves back and forth. And that's the, the woof. So the fixed threads are the picture here. And so I think that leprosy in the warp is a picture that's, in, that's embedded in the fixed part of the work. For instance, the, the, the Pharisees, every time they went out to give alms, they would blow a trumpet. Well, that was how they structured it, right? It was part of the fixed part of the work because this is how people knew that they were going to give alms. And so when they were doing it so that men would look at them and say, look how generous they are, that's, that's leprosy in the warp. In the warp, excuse me. Because it's in, it's in how they structure the work, it's producing leprosy. And I think you know, leprosy in the woof, those threads that are woven together one at a time, I think that's more that it's not representing that this is how it was designed, that this is, it was structured this way to produce this sin. But this is a transient sin that, that comes about. And if that's the pattern, is that doing these things causes sin, that the actual ministry that causes sin, then, then that's leprosy in the woof. And again, this is repeated nine times in here, so this is, this is important. This is important to understand the difference between sin in the warp and sin in the woof. And maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but Somebody needs, but you need to think about it. You need to say, what do these things represent? Because they definitely represent something because God says it over and over and over again. So I don't think this is representing a, a systematic sin that is, that's a sin because of the nature of the ministry. It's more of a sin that, that happens because of the ministry, that, that, that the ministry causes it or has some kind of influence on it. So this might, an example of this might be someone who preaches and the people talk to him afterwards about what a wonderful message it was. And instead of thinking it was the text that was wonderful, I was just saying what God said. They think, actually, that was a pretty good sermon. I do deserve the applause. I think that's more the picture of the, the leprosy and the woof rather than the leprosy and the wharf and the woof. So warp a woof of linen or wool, and again, the sin can either arise in our day-to-day activities 
that we have an obligation to do that are righteous to do, but they aren't about bringing glory and honor to God directly in those things that are about expanding his kingdom, those things that are about, about the worship of God. In either of them, it's possible for spiritual leprosy to exist. And that says weather and leather. So when we think of leather, we tend to think of cowhide. But the Hebrew word that's translated leather really means skin. And so, and again, it was used frequently in this chapter. And this is, or it was used frequently in this chapter before where it's talking about leprosy of the skin. But now when it talks about leprosy in, in your works, in this picture of clothing, it's still leprosy in the skin, but it's in something else's skin. It's in the skin of the animal that you skin to, to produce your clothes. So I think the image of leather, and again, I could be wrong, but I think it's, this is repeated more than nine times, so you have to figure out what it is. I think the leprosy in the leather is a picture of where you're just either doing it for somebody else or you're just adopting what somebody else says. You're basically taking their skin upon you. And just because you took their skin upon you doesn't mean that you can just go, well, I'm just doing what everybody else does. I'm just doing what my boss told me to do. I'm just doing, I'm just, it's somebody else that's really doing it. I'm just, I'm just underneath it. I'm just submitting. So I think that's the image of leather. Doing it because somebody else, you're trusting somebody else's wisdom or that somebody else actually has authority. You still need to say, is it made? Does it have leprosy in it? Does it have sin in it? Or anything made of leather. It doesn't need to be that all your works are this way, but if, if only a small part is by joining with somebody, that you're adopting the sin of their way, it's still sin. It's still a responsibility to deal with it. You still have a responsibility to see it and to eliminate it. And if the plague, now he's going to describe the plague, and he says if it's greenish or reddish. When we think of mold now, people that are worried about mold, it tends to be black mold. That's what we talk about a lot in our society. But the mold that was seen to be as leprous had to be greenish or reddish. And this gets confusing because the word for green or red are doubled. Not repeated like they were with the Holy of Holies. Or, yeah, this is the most wicked. These terms are used in, in Exodus and Leviticus before this. But this is actually one word, but it has like red doubled in it. So there's a lot of debate whether this means that it's a very intense red or a very intense green, or if it's actually a light green or light red. And part of the reason that people debate that it that it really means light rather than more intense, because usually doubling the word in Hebrew means that it's more intense. One of the reasons that they argue that it means it's light is these words are only used in the leprosy passages, except for in one other verse, which is Psalm 68, 13. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Well, that word yellow there is not yellow. That word yellow there is actually the word that's translated greenish in this passage. So when you think of gold, you don't think of gold as being green. And so most commentaries, and it's why it's translated, you know, whitish red or reddish white, no, whitish red. 
that it was translated earlier when they said the leprosy is because they're saying it's, it's a pale red, a pale green. And I think it comes from the translation based on Psalm 68 where, where you don't think of gold. Gold isn't like a bright green. And so it doesn't seem to make sense that it's a bright green. So I think the answer here is not that you go, that's glaring. That's got, they've got a bright green spot on their brown garment. They've got a bright red spot on their brown garment. It's that you look at it and you go, why is that spot there that's a little greenish? Why is that spot there that's a little reddish? Where it's clearly different than the color of the garment. But not like starkly different. Not like that it glares and that you have to look at it. I mean, it's, it's those things that from afar you don't even see them. It's things that look good, but on closer examination, they're not as good as they look. You know, it's like Israel... You look at Israel, and Israel's going, we produce righteousness. And God looks at it and says, these aren't good grapes. These are, these are sour grapes. It takes real examination. It's not that they don't look like grapes. It's that they're lousy grapes. And so that's what we should be looking for, is not just that there are, is it something really glaringly, obviously bad. Now, that means the leprosy has really grown in the garment. We should look before that and say, that's off color. That's not the color it should be. What should we do with that? I think that's what the picture here is of the greenish or the reddish. In the garment or in the leather, again, it doesn't matter where it is. Or sin appears in the work where it can be seen, where it looks different. It doesn't need to be really bright, but it is in the garment. It's not superficial to it. It's not that the mold grew on the surface and you could wipe it off. It has to be in the fabric. It has to be in the leather itself. <coughs> it can't just be as a result of, of doing the, or it has to be a result of doing the work and not just incidental to it. And then again, it repeats, whether in the warp or in the woof. It doesn't matter if it's part of the design of the work, part of how, it, how it's systematic, or if it just happened because of the result of the work. Either way, it's still sin. Either way, the indications are that if you see it, if you see this is what it's producing, if you see this is what's in it, that it's supposed to be dealt with. Whether it's made of linen or wool, whether it's made of leather, if the work is inside it, if it is part of it, it needs to be dealt with. It is leprosy. And so it shall be shown to the priest. The priest is to be involved just like with the skin, It's the priest that has to be declaring what is good and what is evil. It's the priest that has to be declaring what is clean and what is unclean. They're the ones that are supposed to be maintaining the standard of consistency within the church. Consistent and aligned with, with the declarations of God. So the garments to be shown to them so they can determine in God's sight whether this is really a picture of sin ruining good works so that the garment needs to be destroyed or just a passing sin. If it's superficial, if it's not in, they should just say it's clean. But if it is, they examine the plague. They actually have to consider it. They have to understand the bounds of it. Because the change in it is what determines how important it is, how how it needs to be dealt with. So then they isolate it, just like they would isolate in certain cases with leprosy. But here if the garment, if it looks like they have the light green spot or the light red spot, the first thing that you do is isolate the garment. 
you examine it, you make sure you know the size of it, you make sure you know the extent of it, and then you isolate the garment. You don't wash it first. If it's it's in the garment, washing it just just hides it, and the leprosy continues because it's not the... It's not the result that matters. It's not the fact that the sin has negative consequences, which is why you need to destroy the garment. It's the fact that the sin is there is why you need to destroy the garment. Too often we do things to cover up the sin. We do things to hide the sin, to purge the sin, without actually saying, no, it's the sin that's there that is the problem. (coughs) Excuse me. So isolate that which has the plague seven days. Again, you give it time. Not that long of time. There's this balance between, is it a short time, is it a long time? You don't just immediately go, this is leprous. You don't immediately go, let's destroy the work. But you also, it is a limited time. It is not just say, let's wait forever to see what happens. In seven days, the, for seven days, the garment is isolated. Then he examines the plague on the seventh day. Again, the priest is the one, the responsibility. He's the one that looks at it. He's the one that's supposed to say, is this worse than it was? Or is it actually getting better? Does it have the same intensity that it did before? Does it have the same boundaries that it did before? And so if the plague has spread in the garment, if the plague's gotten worse, either in the warp or in the woof, it doesn't matter Again, whether, how it is involved with the work, but if it's involved with the work, it doesn't matter if it's in the leather or anything made of leather. It doesn't matter if it's because it's what they're being told to do or whether they decided to do it themselves. It doesn't matter. They are to let it and look at it and say, is this sin growing? And if it is, it's an act of leprosy. The idea of active leprosy is it's a leprosy that's continuing. You may have thought that, you're, that you've stopped it. You may have thought that you've taken care of it. But it's an active leprosy if it expands at all. It's a leprosy that needs to be dealt with. It is unclean. The work can look like a good work. The Pharisees were giving alms to people who really needed help. It can look like a good work but it has leprosy in it. It should be destroyed. It is unclean. We're way too quick to say, well, but this is important what's being done. We need to do it even though it's spreading sin. We need to do it. People will starve if we don't do it. And that's a rejection that God is the God who provides. Instead, what we're supposed to say is, it's not a good work. It's not how God has clothed us. And because it's not how God has clothed us, we should put it off. We should put off the garment. God is sovereign. God is in control of all things. The ministry isn't needed. If the ministry is spreading sin, do away with the ministry. You don't just say, but, but what they're doing, the good work, somehow, right, we, th- we think about this with people and we go, but the good work and the bad work, you know, God doesn't weigh them, right? One sin makes you guilty of the whole law. There is no weighing of it to say, well, their good works outweigh their bad works. That's not how God judges. He condemns all those who, who sin unless they have, unless that sin is covered by the righteousness of Christ. But yet then we look at a ministry and we go, yeah, but let's weigh it. They have this good works and then they have the sin that they're spreading. Let's weigh it. No, God says don't weigh it. He says burn it. 
Just destroy it. I don't need the good works that aren't good works. I don't need the good works that are actually spreading sin. That does not cause my name to be glorified through the nations. That does not cause people to see how holy I am. When we think the result of the work of ministry is you're feeding the poor and so the poor get fed, we've forgotten what the purpose of ministry is. The purpose of ministry is to bring glory and honor to God. And if there's sin involved, it doesn't bring glory and honor to God and it should be wiped out because it's not a blessing to the name of God. It's a curse to the name of God. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize how, how futile it is to think that we can outweigh the sin in a ministry by its good work. Sure, Ravi Zacharias committed adultery, but look at all the arguments he made that people know more about, about how to, to make an apology, how to make an argument. And the answer is wipe it out. Wipe it out. That's God's answer. I don't need the good works. I can produce the good work someplace from something that will bring honor to my name instead of going, I have to do it this way. We tend to think you have to do it this way. You have to blow the trumpet. And God says, no, this is about the honor of men. Stop it. The poor will still be fed. For I'm the one that feeds the poor. So it's unclean. Even if it looks and we go, but that's glorifying God in so many ways. If it's promoting sin, it's unclean. And he shall therefore burn it. It's to be destroyed. So that the garment is no more. You know, earlier we had, if there was a potential leper, when after 14 days he's de- declared clean, he had to go wash his clothes. And then after he washed his clothes, he'd be clean. Washing is a means of cleansing. It's a means of purging of sin. Biblically, there's two normal ways to purge something of sin. One is through water, like Noah's flood. And the other is through fire, like at the second coming of Christ. Here, the purging of fire is before the purging of of washing. Normally, we think, oh, yeah, let's wash it and see if that stops it. But that's not what God says. God says, if you see it grow, you don't wash it and then see if it comes back. You You just go... Let's burn it. It's expanding. The leprosy's there. Because we tend to think that the work is so precious, we want to wash it first. But that's not what God says. God says, see if it grows. If it grows, just burn the whole thing. Just destroy the whole thing. And remember, it's very easy for us to look at garments because garments are so cheap now. But if you thought of garments, that every garment was three months of labor, which is about what a garment took to produce. Three months of labor. If you looked at that and said, this is three months of labor, you're not just going to throw it away. You're not just going to burn it willy-nilly. You're only going to go, this is a really serious thing to burn this. And that's what God's saying. And we think about this with ministries, and we should think the same way. Yes, it's a serious thing just to shut it down. But if what you see it do is producing sin, even if it's just in some aspect, and you see it just produces more sin, shut it down. Destroy it. Burn it. Purge it with fire, is what God is saying. It shall therefore burn the garment in which is the plague. The garment should not be considered to have much value if it's producing plague, if it's producing sin, if it's causing sin to increase. The point of the works is so that people see 
how holy God is, when we allow our good works to be mixed with sin, it doesn't testify to how holy God is, and so the works are useless. Even if the poor are fed, the works are useless for our purpose. Because our purpose is to glorify our Father in heaven. (coughs) So whether in the warp or the roof, whether it's in the fixed part or whether it's in the passing part, whether it's in wool or linen, whether it's in secular things or whether it's in sacred things, whether it's made of leather because it's uh, how other people do it, it's an act of leprosy. If it's an act of leprosy, if it's, improve, if it's causing there to be more sin, the work is to be destroyed. The garment shall be burned in the fire. The leprosy shall be purged with fire. Verses 53 through 56. <coughs> <coughs> but if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague. And he shall isolate it another seven days, and the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, then though the plague has not spread, it is unclean. And you shall burn it in the fire. If it, it continues eating away, whether the damage is outside or inside. If the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the woof or out of the leather. So again, if the priest examines it and you find it spread, it's immediately to be destroyed. But if it is not spread, if indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, so you're not seeing that it's increasing sin, it's not, it's not getting worse. Remember the plague in people. If it stayed the same, you said it's being healed. That's not the same rule for garments. If the plague hasn't spread, the skin, the, the body, we can repent. We can turn from our sin. We can, we can heal. So if it's not spreading, it means we're dealing with it. But here, if it's in the warp or the woof or anything made of leather, again, regardless of how the sin appears, Regardless of the reason for the sin, the priest shall command. Notice the authority of the priest. The priest commands what is to be done with authority given by God, which doesn't mean that the people would obey, but remember this was also spoken to both Aaron and Moses. Moses had a duty, and in the next chapter, our memory passage for this quarter, we're going to find out that it's Moses that's supposed to do it. The priest shall command, and Moses, the civil magistrate, is the one who should enforce this because they're speaking with real authority. And they don't wield the sword, but the sword should be listening, or the one who wields the sword should be listening to the commandments of the priest because he has real authority to tell them what to do. And he commands them that they should wash, that they wash the thing in which is the plague. If it's not spreading, if you're not seeing it be cleansed, or excuse me, if it's not spreading, then you, after that, you try to purge it with water. The first time, you let it see if it will spread. If it, if it spreads, you burn it. If it doesn't spread, then you wash it. Then you attempt the other means of purging. If instead of, 
So it's to wash it, to see if the works can be fixed, so that they don't produce sin instead of righteousness, to see if there's ways for the sin produced by the works can be purged out. You know, think of this like a food pantry, right, where you're trying to feed the poor. You actually come with the desire to feed the poor. But then you figure out that when people come that they don't want to do work. And so they shouldn't be receiving food because you're actually facilitating, like our, like our uh, welfare system does. It facilitates people not to work. It is very leprous, those good works of our government. Very leprous. But food pantries can do the same thing. You're trying to help people that really have need, and then you find people are using it as an excuse not to work because they receive food. Well, you could go and you could cleanse that, right? You could go, we're going to have a requirement that everybody that comes here, they have to work a day a week at the food pantry if they're going to get any food from the food pantry. Or there's other things that you could do to try to deal with it. That would be the picture of trying to wash the garment. Trying to say, we see how it's producing sin. Let's see what things we can do that will stop the sin from being produced. Stop it from getting worse and start getting it to to produce less sin than it was before. So ministries can do that. If they see that it's not getting worse, if it's not spreading, then they can say, okay, so what things should we do to, to eliminate it? What things should we do to cause it to disappear? And so then it gets isolated another seven days. It needs to be tested to see if the means that were used to purge it actually work. Or whether whether it will actually get better if it will just stop getting worse or just stop from getting worse. So then the priest examines the plague. And the priest, again, has the responsibility. I think it's worth noting that I think if you have a garment and you're a priest, you take it to another priest. I think way too often we think we should examine the work ourselves. We're the ones, but it's talking about taking it to a priest. That the, a third party should be looking at these things. A third party that understands the things of God should be examining it and saying whether it should continue or not. The owner of the garment obviously doesn't want to burn the garment. He doesn't want to destroy the garment. And so it needs to be a third party that says, no, the garment should be destroyed. So having the priests examine the garment rather than the owner of the garment, it removes the bias from the judgment, or it should remove the bias from the judgment. So the priest examines the plague after it's been washed, after an attempt's been made to purge the sin without destroying the whole work. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, if the purging didn't work, if the purging didn't actually cause a reduction in the sin that was being produced by the ministry, if it just continues the same way, though the plague has not spread, it hasn't gotten any worse in this situation. It's just that you haven't made it better. In a person, right, that was a sign that they were clean. Because if it hadn't spread, it would get better. But that's not true here. If it, if it doesn't spread, if it hasn't faded, if it's exactly the same way, <coughs> then the garment was to be burned. The garment doesn't have the same value as people. Garments are not able to heal themselves. For a garment, it has to come from the external. So if externally the works were not able to be cleansed in the first try, then it's unclean. 
It's a garment that's plagued with leprosy, and you shall burn it in the fire. It's to be purged using, if the purging with water didn't work, it's to be purged with the second method, which is fire. That results in the destruction of the garment because it continues eating away. You look at it and you say, but it's the same. It looks exactly like the same it did before. And God is saying, no, no, no. That sin is eating away under the surface. Just because it hasn't manifested itself yet, it is eating away under the surface. Unless it's being repented of, unless it's being turned, unless it's being changed, unless you're seeing improvement, it is not right. It is unclean. It's just been, the washing has just suppressed it for a season. And so just destroy the garment. Burn it with fire. It continues eating away. Whether the damage is outside or inside, So if the plague is not being constrained, if it's not declining, wherever it can be seen, on the outward part of the garment, which I think is the part that the world sees, is the picture there. That would be the part where normally you would see the leprosy in the garment. You'd see a spot that doesn't look right. But it also could be on the inside of the garment, the part that, that only those who are inside know, those who are inside the ministry. There can be leprosy there, and it doesn't matter where it is. If the sin isn't being constrained on the inside of the ministry or on the outside of the ministry, on the things, on the work that you're doing, whether it's the the parts of the work that you're the only one that knows it or the parts of the work that other people know, if you can't deal with it, it's unclean. If it's not being dealt with, if sin isn't being taken care of, there's damage there. (coughs) (coughs) When leprosy is seen in the garment, all the ministry... All the work should be examined, not just the part that people can normally see. So if the priest examines it, the priest sees it unchanged, then it has to be destroyed. But if he sees it changed, indeed, if the plague has has faded after washing it, if the purging with water worked, not that all the plague was washed out, but you see that, that the sin is actually being dealt with, the sin is actually being constrained, it's not just not growing, it's actually declining, then just that part needs to be removed, but the rest of the garment shall be clean. He shall tear it out of the garment. The effects of sin still need to be removed because the point is for people to see the holy work of God. It still needs to be removed from the garment, but it means it can be removed from the work. It can be removed from the good work you're doing, whether it's it's sacred or secular, whether it's in the world and the things you need to do to live in this world or whether it's things for the glory of God. You need to remove the sin, but it doesn't need, mean that the work needs to stop. The work can continue. Our works need to be unspotted by the world. We need to be working to cause our works to be unspotted by the world. And so the effects of sin have to be removed. And it's whether out of the wharf... Or, out of the warp or out of the woof or out of the leather, regardless of the nature of the leprosy, it needs to be removed. Verses 57 through 59. But if it appears again in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in anything made of leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn with fire that in which is the plague. That in which is in the... That in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment, either warp or woof, or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time and shall be clean. 
This is the law of the leprous plague in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or woof, or in anything made of leather, to pronounce it clean or pronounce it unclean. So if it appears again in the garment. So this is, you cleaned it, you washed it, you saw it fading away. You saw it fading away on the inside and the outside. But then later it comes back. If it produces the same problem again, then the process isn't repeated the same way. It was worth saving the work if it could be saved. But there's a limit. If the purging of the work was unsuccessful, regardless of the nature of it, if it's in the warp, warp or the woof or anything made of leather, and notice how many times it says this. It says this nine times. That's a lot of repetition, which means there's a real temptation to say it's not really a leprosy because this is, this is just this is how we do things. This is the only way you can get people to come to receive alms is you have to blow a trumpet. What else can you do? It's very easy to say, but, but there's no other choice. And the answer, God's answer is yes, there is. You've just, you've just eliminated the idea Jesus Christ could be sinless because if there is no other choice, then Christ could not have been sinless. He had to have sin. There's always another choice. But it's always tempting to say, but, but this is just the way it is. And God keeps repeating over and over again, no, if it's in the warp, if it's in the woof, if, it, if it's because of how it's set up, if it's because this is just what keeps happening when you do it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're doing things that other people do. It doesn't matter. If you see the leprosy, it is leprosy. It needs to be dealt with. You know, it's so common that you go, everybody else does it this way. It must be okay. And we adopt people's practices. And God says, no, you can't wear somebody else's skin. You have to deal with your own issues. So it's a spreading plague. If it comes back, even if it's much later... Remember the life of a garment. Garments would last for years. So it's not forever, but it is for, we should be thinking about it. You know, a ministry that's been around for 80 years and you see a leprosy that came back that was there 50 years before, I don't think it means that you destroy the ministry. But it it does mean that there's, for a long time, for years, if you see it come back, you treat it differently than if it's a new ministry. If the plague... The same thing happens again. (coughs) Yeah, then the work is to be destroyed. You shall burn with fire that in which is the plague. If it comes back, if the sin found a new way to break out of the constraints put upon it, then the garment should be just destroyed. Now here it seems to be up to the person. They can also just to wash the garments. You can attempt to deal with it again. And so you look at the situation, you say, in this situation, is it that we became lax in our rules? If you became lax in your rules, maybe you just have to enforce the rules better. And you go, no, we know this works. We know this cleans it. We just have become lax in our rules, and we just need to be enforcing the rules better. So maybe you say, yeah, we can clean the garment. But you deal with it differently. You have to know that you can deal, deal with it. If you wash the garment, either the warp or the woof or whatever is made of leather, 
after you wash it, regardless of the nature of it, the plague has disappeared from it. It's not like before when you washed it. If you saw it fade, you'd go, okay, this is clean. This is being dealt with. This, this garment can be cleansed. If the next time you do it and it doesn't fix it immediately, then it's a leprous garment. It just needs to be burned. It's unclean. Right? Like the example I gave before, you put in rules in place that like actually stop the, the people from using your food pantry as an excuse not to, not to work. And you put rules in place to make sure that that happens, that they work. And then you start to get lax in those rules and you see the leprosy break out again. Then the answer is, we're going to enforce the rules and the sin should go away immediately. And if it doesn't, just shut down the ministry. We're way too quick to think that our works are so important, that our works are so necessary. What's necessary is for us to destroy sin. What's necessary is for us to deal with sin. (coughs) So if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time. The constraint shall be doubled upon it. It's still, you need to deal with the sin. You need to make sure the sin is not an act of leprosy that continues to eat away at the garment. And then it shall be clean if you wash it a second time. Then the works are acceptable and they don't need to be purged through destruction with fire. This is the law of the leprous plague. These are the commandments on how to deal with these things. We're not supposed to deal with them based on our own understanding. We're not supposed to deal with them based on our thoughts. We're not supposed to figure out how do we balance the good that's being done with the sin that's being done. We're supposed to look at it God's way and say, how does God say to deal with it? We need to be using God's standard and not our standard because we will always exalt the works more than they should be exalted. That's the nature of man, to think that we can cover ourselves with a fig leaf. Instead of saying, no, God provided the works. His works are sinless. If we're doing the things that he provided for us, if he's the one that's clothing us, then we should change the garment if we need to. So this is the law of the leprous plague and the garment of wool or linen, regardless of the nature of the work, regardless of it's in the world or if it's related to the things of the world or if it's related to the things of God and to the work of the ministry of God. If it produces sin, it is unclean, regardless of the good things that it does, whether it's in the warp or the woof or anything made of leather. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to care about sin. We're supposed to care about sin and the results of sin and the effects of sin. We need to recognize the seriousness of sin, and that's certainly one of the the pictures of sin dealing with these leprous garments is just how serious sin is. And they're pronounced clean. The priest has a duty that was given to Aaron by God. One of the few places that God just speaks to Aaron. And he says, you have a duty to say what is clean and what is unclean, what is holy and what is unholy. And we're supposed to look at works and we're supposed to say, this is an unholy work. This is an unclean work, or this is a clean work. And it's not by whether you balance it out. It's by saying, is this producing sin, or is this producing righteousness? We have a duty to pronounce it clean, or to pronounce it unclean. Not just to determine it and go back and say, this is, this is okay, or this is not okay, but the role of the church is to say, this is unclean. 
this is clean. This is righteous. We have a responsibility to fill, fill it individually because it's the priest that does this. It's not just the church that does this. We've talked a lot over the last year or two about the priesthood of believers. This means it's the priests, the believers that have a responsibility to do this and not just those or not just the church collectively. Let me give you some applications. The first application is, are you clothed in good works? God saves us for the good works that he promised beforehand that we would walk in. If you do not have good works, you can't examine those good works for leprosy. And your works are like like the clothes of Aaron. You're covering yourself with a fig leaf. You need God to clothe you. Covering yourself with a fig leaf won't do any good. Those are the good works of Adam. Everybody has some works that they consider to be good so that they can cover their own shame for their sin. But the good works that are appointed by God, working about seeking first the kingdom of God, working about seeking his righteousness, the work of making Christ's enemies his footstool, those are the good works that God appoints us to so that the nation sees, the nations around us see, and they say they serve a holy God. That's what our works are supposed to be about. Are you clothed in good works so that God can judge you based on the clothing that he clothed you with? If you don't have that clothing, you weren't saved. Because when God causes you to be born again, he gives you new clothes. He dresses his children. Second application, is there leprosy in your works? We should be examining our works for leprosy. We shouldn't just sit back and say, but I know I'm doing good. We should look back and say, but am I producing sin out of it? Am I producing evil things out of it? Is it these works that I think are good, are they really good? We should examine them and ask the question, are they really being done by the glory of God? Is the glory of God being seen by these works? Are you making them noticeable so that people see your works? When we think of that example with the Pharisees, you know, the leprosy seems to be being seen by men rather than be bringing glory to God. We should always be looking for that leprosy. We should always be looking for that leprosy in everything that we do. That we do, that we say it's a ministry. We should be looking and saying, really, who is going to get the glory here? Are they looking at my good works so that they glorify my Father in heaven? Or do I really want them to look at me? Do I really want to be seen by men? We should be continually checking our works for leprosy so that we can put sinful acts away from us before all our good works are destroyed by the leprosy in our garments. Don't ignore the leprosy. Because if it's an act of leprosy, it means all your works are destroyed. All the good that you may have done, all the good that so many ministries, all the good that they've done gets wiped away because they don't deal with sin. They hide it. They deceive about it. That's not what we're supposed to do with our works. If we see sin, we deal with it. We talk to people about it. We ask people, is this wrong? Is this sinful? Another application, when we consider work that we can do for the kingdom of God, we should not ask ourselves, just is this useful for the kingdom? But also, is this structured in such a way that I'll be tempted by the pattern, I'll be tempted to, to sin. 
I'll be tempted. It will give me an opportunity to sin. It will cause temptations to come my way. I mean, think of the picture in Jude where we're supposed to rescue some, making sure that we're not defiled by their flesh, that we're not defiled by their garments. Ministry could give you an opportunity to fall into sin. This should be avoided. Right? I mean, I can use the example of Nigeria and the prosthetics. We could raise a lot of money for prosthetics if we would take monetary donations. And there's ways that I've thought of that we could constrain it, but it's not worth it if it's not what the focus should be, if it's going to cause sin. It doesn't matter how many people can walk. It doesn't matter if what you do is cause sin to be promoted, if you cause sin to be expanded. It doesn't matter. God's purpose is to produce a holy people. God's purpose in coming is to destroy the works of Satan. God's purpose is to cause us to keep his commandments so that other people look and say, God is holy. God is just. God is good. The New Testament has repeated testimony about perceived righteous people that end up sinning. And not, their righteousness doesn't mean anything. Think of Damos. He was doing good works. Paul wrote about it. And then he turns around and loves the present world. And Paul proclaims he is unclean and makes it very clear that the good works he did before don't mean anything. When we consider the works for the kingdom of God, we have to say, does this produce sin in me or sin in others? Otherwise, it's really not a work for the kingdom of God. Because the works for the kingdom of God are not dealing with flesh. They're not dealing with the things of this world. They're dealing with the testimony of holiness and righteousness and truth to the world around us. You have a duty to, when we consider about the works that we do, make sure that they're not ones that lead us or others into temptation. It's the holiness of the works that make them pleasing to God. Another example is we have a duty to examine works. When we were dealing with the VON, the Voice of the Martyrs issue, looking from afar off, they looked like an organization where everything was okay, that they were trying to help martyrs for the faith. When you actually start to look at them, you see how evil they really are. And it doesn't take long because their leprosy had overtaken the whole garment. But many churches, even when you would confront them, even when you would tell them about it, even when you would let their members know, a large number of churches basically went, oh, well, they're doing good work. We just need to understand how contrary that is to what God says. God says it's worth burning down the whole garment. If you won't deal with sin, if you won't deal with the effects of sin, if you won't deal with the fact that you're producing sin, the whole garment should be burned. But most churches just go, we don't want to look too closely because if we look too closely, we're going to see sin. We're going to see how they're promoting sin. So we'll feel good about ourselves by closing our eyes. And these passages about leprosy are, you don't have any right to close your eyes. Because the point is, is for people to see the glory of God. And when you close your eyes, it doesn't mean other people are closing their eyes. God is holy. And so we have a duty to examine good works. We have a duty to look and see if the results of the work are actually good or bad, to see if the results of the work are producing sin in other ways. If there's just leprosy in part of the garment, we actually have a duty 
to not just look at the distance and say, I don't see any green or red spots. Looks fine to me. Well, you won't see them until you get up close. And way too many churches just say, let's look from a distance. Another application. Sorry, I have a number still. (coughs) In dealing with sin, the goal should be to understand the state of the person's soul and not just to get the situation to go away. Too often the typical reaction is, let's just, let's just deal with this sin and not worry about the state of the soul. Let's just deal with this sin that we see in the ministry and let's not deal with whether it's actually doing good works. Is there something underlying here that's causing the sin to grow? Too often God exposes sin and the response is, Let's just cover up the sin. Let's deal with the sin. Maybe we'll even purge it. Let's cut it out and not say, how is this affecting everything else? And God is saying, we're supposed to say, how is this affecting everything else? Another application, if a ministry produces bad fruit, it should be, down, it should be shut down. We have a tendency to give importance to ministries rather than just destroying them. You know, if they have bad results... We need to have a greater expectation of the work of the Holy Spirit, a greater expectation that if a ministry is producing sin, that from its nature it should be destroyed, regardless of what good works it does. Zingak is always surprised when I go, well, if that's true, if this is what's going to happen, we'll just shut down the prosthetic clinic. We'll do that tomorrow. I have no problem. If, that's, if this is going to produce sin, we should shut down. No question about it. And he's always like, but look at the good works we're doing. Look at the good works. And it's like, sorry, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We're supposed to treat it like leprosy in a garment. If you can't get rid of the leprosy, destroy the garment. We tend to think way too highly of ourselves to go, well, but we have to do this. Even though it produces the sin, we have to do this because if we don't do this, how will they walk? Instead of going, God is God. We have to bring glory and honor to God. That's what matters. Another application. We should look to resolve issues in a timely way. In dealing with leprosy, over and over again, it's like seven days and 14 days. And it's easy to, when you're dealing with sin, it's easy to just like sweep it under the rug and be done with it really quickly because there's a real tendency to do that. And there's also a real tendency to just drag it on and on and on and not actually deal with it. And God is actually setting these time frames that are like, you need to deal with it in a timely manner. Not really quick. You give it days. You see if it produces things. But you also don't say, let's wait two years. Too often, sin gets handled or gets ignored either by dealing with it really quickly to go, oh, this isn't growing. We'll just, we're done. Or to go... We're just not going to do anything about it. And God instead is giving time frames so that we recognize you need to deal with things in a timely manner. You know, this, he's setting this balance between just kind of a means to ignore the sin is by dealing with it really quickly and saying, hey, it's gone. We've dealt with it. They repented of the adultery. We don't need to worry about their marriage. We don't need to worry about what the effects are. They've repented. It's all fine. And going, well, we're just going to, oh, yeah, this, this is an issue. We'll just keep thinking about what we should do about it. And this, this happens in churches all the time. And God is saying, no, there's a balance between these two, and you have to maintain the balance. 
you need to do it in time enough to allow the, the sin to be seen, allow to be the manifestation of the sin to be seen. But, but it is sin. It is a leprous garment. It does cause real damage, so you need to deal with it in a timely manner. Another application, when, we see, when sin is seen in a ministry, a third party should be involved. It's a much better way of determining if that sin is actually endemic to the, to the ministry or if it's separate from the ministry. You know, the podcast on Ravi Zacharias, you know, many of the things that the ministry did there were wrong. But one thing that they did that was right was they went, we can't evaluate this ourselves. We need to bring in somebody else. That's the picture throughout this chapter about leprosy. The picture is you take it to the priest. You don't examine it yourself. And if you're a priest and you see a spot on your skin, you take it to another priest. You don't go, I'm a priest. I can look at it. You bring a third party in. And that was by far the best thing that RZIM Ministries did, is that they said, we need to bring in a third party. Because that's a biblical thing that they did. And it resulted in the ministry being shut down. It resulted in everything being exposed. But that's what we should be thinking about. When you see sin, don't just go, oh, yeah, it's my sin, I'll deal with it. It's actually the role of other people to say, is this clean or unclean? And not just your own opinion. It's so easy for us to deceive ourselves. It's so easy for us to deceive ourselves about it, how important our works are, that we don't talk, we don't let other people actually do the evaluation. We should let other people do the evaluation. Another... Another application, we should never consider any ministry that we do or any profession that we have to be so important that if we see it producing sin, that we're not willing to destroy it. Christ applies the principle more bluntly in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 29 through 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Or if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. God is, now obviously it's not our eye or our hand that causes us to sin. But it can be our ministry. It can be the way that we set things up. It can be these things. If God's saying it's worthy to cut off your hand and destroy it, How much more should it be when we see, wait, I do this job and it causes me to sin in this way. You know, I go do video production. I have to go look for for snippets from, from other things. And I see pornography when I do this. Well, cut it off. Find another job. Do something different. That's what God would say to do. It's way too easy for us to go, but this is who I am. This is what I do. Instead of saying, God is saying, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If we're willing to cut off our hand or right hand, if that's what our attitude is supposed to be, what should we be willing to do for our job? What should we be willing to do to some ministry that we think we have? If we're supposed to be willing to destroy our own eye or destroy our own hand, how much quicker should we be to go, well, this is not a profession for me. And yes, this is going to make it hard. Yes, it's going to make it hard for me to provide for my family, but this is not a profession for me because it causes me to sin. We have to be quick to cut things off. Whether it's, and we have to not just go, but look at all the good that comes from it. 
Well, there's a lot of good that comes from your right hand. A lot of good. And Christ says, cut it off. So how much more? Do not judge, do not weigh and say, does the evil things produced by this, how does it weigh with the good? That's not what God says. He says, purge even the body part. Another application, we need to be willing to not make excuses about when we perceive, what we perceive as a good work fails. It's easy to say, next time we'll do it differently so it doesn't produce sin. Or we're doing it the same way everybody else is doing it. We need to be willing to say, if the ministry produces sin, even in the midst of producing good fruit, the ministry has to be stopped. They were willing to destroy man months of labor. We should be willing to do the same thing. We should be willing to say, this just needs to stop. It's producing sin. How seriously do we consider sin? Are we willing enough to destroy things that we think are producing good things? And they are producing good things, but we should be willing to destroy them if they're also producing sin because Christ came to destroy sin. In the last application, as priests, we have a duty to declare works clean or unclean. We don't have the right to just sit by silently and allow them to continue. We have a duty to say, even though they're doing these good things, they produce sin. They're unclean. Priests have to be willing to not partake of the hidden works of darkness, but rather to expose them. Even if the works of darkness are in the midst of otherwise good works, we have to be willing to expose them. That's the picture of leprosy and garments. We have to deal with sin. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you that you give us this picture. Let us be faithful in applying it now. We know that you gave it as this, this ceremonial law, this picture of things that we're supposed to see in our lives and how to deal with them. Lord, help us to be more faithful to deal with them in the way that you would instruct, in the way that you would have us to deal with them. We thank you that you are a God who does not leave us blind. You are not a God who does not leave us without instruction. Lord, let us properly meditate upon your word and properly put it into effect in our lives so that the nations see your glory, so that the nations see your holiness. So even the Gentiles, those who hate God, see that the people of God are different because you are a different God. Lord, let us express your holiness. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.